Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Meriwether and Tharp, your source for Georgia divorce. Find them online at theatlantadivorceteam.com. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. I grew up as kind of a child of the 90s, and when I think about that era of kind of like, you know, mid-90s, early 90s when I was in high school, one of the things that comes to mind for me is like the sports center back then ESPN sports center was like just the heyday of sports center it was much better frankly then than it is now to be completely honest with you but but you a lot of you who are my age and you kind of you know seen the old you know footage of that kind of stuff you know how great it was and kind of the age in which those sports center you know hosts were kind of just first getting famous and one of the things they used to do at the end of every one of those sports centers back then I'm not sure they still do it now but they would do a did you know it was kind of a fun fact at the end of every show and it was hey did you know and you kind of they kind of gave you some information that in many cases you might not be aware of and it might be a fact or a stat or something along those lines that you would go on to tell somebody else later on that day well here's my own did you know to start our program here today dog nation daily presented by meriwether and tharp did you know that clemson the team that georgia is going to open the 2021 season with ranks very low on a list that kind of matters there is espn's bill conley who does a lot of stat work things like that one of the things he does yearly is his returning production what percentage of your stats do you bring back frankly returning production percentages probably a more accurate reflection how you're going to perform on the field than just say returning starters because when teams are subbing in and out so much starters alone is kind of kind of a uh, you know, uh, sort of a, a quaint term, you know, more more an antiquated term than the actual just percentage of production that's out there. Well, here here's the did you know. If we're to rate teams on the basis of how much percentage of last year's stats do you bring back for this upcoming year, on the offensive side of the ball, Clemson ranks very low. According to ESPN's Bill Conley, just 118th in the country in 2021 on returning offensive production from the previous year. Now, they are very high on defense. They're like third returning production on defense, but we'll push that aside at the moment and just focus on the offensive side of the ball. 118th in the country in returning production for the upcoming year, according to ESPN's Bill Conley. Now, I think that's really interesting for a couple of reasons. First of all, it reminds me of something I try to say on this show quite a bit. We are obsessed with Georgia football. We do Dog Nation daily every single day. Many of you, with the reason we do the show is because you want Georgia football conversation each and every day. We fixate on all the small details related to this program. And so, therefore, the things that are not quite perfect with Georgia, we have a tendency to, at times, maybe blow those up, make them bigger than they actually are. Because, as I've told you before, if we were doing a daily show for the other so-called national championship contenders, the Bamas, the Ohio States, the Clemsons, the others, you would find issues on those rosters as well. The Georgia issues to the typical Georgia fan just seem more significant because he or she pays a lot more attention to them. But Clemson's got its own problems. Ohio State's got its own problems. Alabama, Oklahoma, all the perennial contenders, they all have their own problems. You better believe it. Clemson right now, to the extent that they have kind of a, you know, a, a media sphere around that program, there is a discussion going on of how do you replace all the big names that are no longer here. Trevor Lawrence is about to be the number one overall pick in the upcoming NFL draft. Now, DJ 
DJ Uyunglele's backup has played before. We've seen him play well, but much less experience than obviously Trevor Lawrence was, who had been at the helm there for a few years. Travis Etienne is no longer with that program. There are veteran, you know, running backs like you know Lynn J. Dixon, but frankly, Dixon probably didn't have as great a year last year as he had had, you know, prior to that there at Clemson. Of course, Will Shipley's a hot shot freshman, and a lot of folks are looking for big things uh, from him, but that's another big name in Etienne that isn't there anymore. Now, it's also fair to say that Justin Ross, a wide receiver, coming back after having been away from the team, we don't quite know what he brings to the table, and their freshmen, you know, guys like Bo Collins, who are expected to sort of step in there, but once again, there is kind of a lack of experience across the board for Clemson at some of the key offensive playmaking type positions, at least in the basis of returning production from the 2020 team that comes back from 2021. Now, the next reason why this matters to me is because when Georgia plays Clemson to start the season, we've said before, this is a huge game. It's more than just fun. I think the stakes for Georgia in this game are actually a little bit higher than some people have kind of assumed they are. This is a game that Georgia needs to win. And if you're looking for reasons why that Georgia could win this game, potential advantages that Georgia needs to and should exploit to get the victory in this game, I don't think you look any further than the potential mismatch in terms of the experience that Georgia hopefully brings into this game in comparison to the relative inexperience that Clemson will bring here. This ought to be an advantage that Georgia can take advantage of as a way of uh, hopefully getting that victory in week one against Clemson. Let me kind of give you uh, some stuff to kind of back this up. And by the way, I say this knowing full well that George Pickens likely will not be playing in this game after tearing his ACL, you know, back during the spring or at least uh, suffering an ACL injury uh, back during the spring. Even with that, Georgia still ought to be, you hope, the more experienced team. It ought to look like the more experienced team. It ought to play like the more experienced team. That ought to be an advantage that you hope Georgia can exploit there against Clemson let me give an example from Kirby Smart so Smart was talking about JT Daniels in his press conference after G-Day on Saturday specifically being asked how does it feel to have a guy that started for you at the quarterback position at the end of last season going through spring practice now and really setting up to be a lot more solidified at that position this year than maybe Georgia was to certainly begin the 2020 season and I want you to listen to this clip I'm about to play from Kirby Smart there is one word that Kirby Smart uses twice when discussing JT Daniels and the Georgia offense and this word to me ought to make a big difference season opener against Clemson if Georgia's going to win the game it's going to have to this is Kirby Smart he's got command of the offense um he's got he's got to be able to utilize the pocket and we work on that each and every day I know coach Munkin is always driving that home uh with him his ability to move in the pocket step up the offensive line's got to protect him and give him an opportunity there were some times today that there were four-man rushes and we got some pressure and guys got pushed back into him and I think that's important to allow him to step up in the pocket and move around and make make plays down the field. Uh, but he has command of it. He understands it. Uh, the key is his decision-making process. We know the quarterback position. There's probably a decision has to be made every single play, and uh, he manages that really well for us. Did you hear the word that Kirby Smart used there twice? I heard the word command. Yeah, JT Daniels has command of the Georgia offense. There at the end of the clip, Smart once again circling back to the idea that Daniels is in command. There are decisions to be made on every play, and we trust JT Daniels to make those decisions. Now, you also heard Kirby talking about you know the need to protect JT Daniels and the need for Daniels to protect himself by being able to move around. We understand all of that, but it's command. When Kirby looks at Daniels, he sees someone who's in control 
of what's happening on the field. I think that's incredibly valuable. And to our own eyes, that's the way that Daniels ought to look in the season opener against Clemson. Let's face it, DJ Uyunglele is an elite talent, much the same way that JT Daniels is. This is one of the most highly, I think, anticipated quarterback battles of the year. You've got Derek King against Bryce Young, things like that, early in the season as well. But these two quarterbacks, the two you know initial quarterbacks, JT versus DJ, this is going to be a uh, big-time quarterback matchup. And I don't think it's kind of getting out in front of the uh, skis too much to say that Georgia's best chance of beating Clemson is to have Daniels outplay Uyunglele in that game. And the best tool that I would say that JT Daniels has in his arsenal in comparison to DJ Uyunglele is the fact that Daniels does have more playing experience. That experience ought to show up in the form of poise against Clemson in week one. And it ought to show up in the form of, as Kirby Smart said, just command to make good decisions, to to take advantage of whatever Clemson shows you on defense, to go back through the resources of your mind and find some way to sort of throw it where they ain't uh, against the Tigers there that day. That experience ought to matter. But that's not the only place where Georgia potentially has that experience uh, against Clemson. When JT spoke on Saturday after the game, one of the things he talked about was some of the checkdown throws that he made on G-Day. A lot of that to Georgia running backs. You know, I think there were four Georgia running backs that had five or more catches in G-Day on Saturday. Of course, younger guys like Kendall Milton and Dejon Edwards were involved in that. But James Cook was involved in that as well. We expect him to be catching passes. That's kind of what he does well. We saw more of that from Zamir White than we're used to on Saturday. But he was also a big part of that passing game and when Daniels was asked about that he also gave a a really interesting answer of you know why was it that on Saturday that he was content to throw to those guys as as much as he was once again leaning on some of the experience that Georgia has at the running back position this is JT Daniels I love throwing the ball deep and you see it a lot but uh especially when you have James uh James you know Zamir Kendall all the guys we have uh, I think ch- checkdowns in general are the most underrated, underappreciated aspect of our offense. Uh, you know, at a bare minimum, it's it's easy to throw. At a bare minimum, it's three yards, and that's if the first guy tackles them. Uh, it, it's very, very rare that the first guy tackles any of our running backs. So, you, you know, if a defense wants to bring vertical pressure and drop back and play soft or they're playing good coverage, uh, you know, you, if I have to check down 10 times in a row, I'll check it down 10 times in a row. There's, there's no... Uh, you know, there's there's no problem with that for me. I love JT Daniels right there saying, listen, I'm going to put the ball in the hand of my running backs, in many cases experienced running backs, guys like Zamir White and James Cook, and I'm going to give them an opportunity to make a man miss. It's at least three yards. They make a man miss, and then they do very frequently. It's even more yardage than that, and that's something else. I think that Georgia can really lean on uh, against Clemson. Playmaking, experienced running backs in the running game probably more then than you saw on Saturday for G-Day, but still in the passing game there as well. Looking to make plays. JT Daniels looking to, to be a catalyst for the Georgia offense. Getting the wide receivers involved there as well. This is a razor-thin game between Georgia and Clemson. At least the uh, numbers would kind of suggest that. Any advantage that you can exploit potentially matters. An advantage that Georgia ought to be able to exploit at least you'd hope if you're a UGA fan looking to see that team get a victory is the fact that Georgia in some spots has more experience than what Clemson's going to bring back offensively here. It's the kind of thing that could matter. And frankly, for Georgia's sake, you hope that it does. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. 
presented today by Meriwether and Tharp. Good to have you with us, no matter how you get to us today. Live on video, 10 a.m., Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch. We're on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960 The Ref, and we are available as a podcast wherever you find them, including the worldfamousdognation.com. Great to have you as a part of the uh, program here today. It's Terrence Edwards coming up in a little bit. Can't wait to speak to him. Also, big thanks to our friends at Meriwether and Tharp for making it all possible. They're your source for Georgia divorce. Let me tell you what that means and why that matters. Because in an audience the size of ours, just the basic statistics tell us that a lot of you have either dealt with this before, I'm talking about the subject of divorce, or you may find yourself in a situation where you are about to deal with that. And it's really that group of folks I want to speak to right now. If you are about to go through this, if you have just determined that's an unavoidable conclusion for you as a part of your story here, here is what I can tell you to make you eventually feel better throughout all this process. When you put someone who's been through this thousands of times before to work for you, when you put your trust in a company like Meriwether and Tharp, which also takes great care and shows great concern for the clients that they go to work for, you are eventually going to be put on a path to be made whole again. Finances, family relationship, everything else that goes along with that. They can help lead you down that path. They'll take so many steps for you as they do, but the first step belongs to you. Reach out for that initial consultation. Find out about how they can get to work for you very quickly in all of that. Take that first step by finding them online at uh, theatlantadivorceteam.com. That's theatlantadivorceteam.com. And while you're there, take advantage of free resources, blog posts, podcasts, things like that to help educate you with maybe even the right questions to ask when you do go through that initial consultation. My find my friends at Meriwether and Tharp today, the Atlanta Divorce Team.com. Terrence Edwards here in a moment, as promised. Before that, though, let's go around the doghouse here uh, just for a uh, brief moment. And speaking of the idea of experience, something we spent a good bit of time talking about when it uh, came to starting the show here today, when Cole Kublik, SEC Network Analyst, was on with Mike Griffith this week on his On the Beat show on the Dog Nation video channels, in Cole evaluating what he's also seen from the Georgia offense. The word experience kind of came up there again with him in that discussion. I, I think this is really interesting from Cole about kind of how you navigate some of the offensive line concerns you might have and some of those other things that Georgia might be dealing with. For an offense that Cole likes, he still thinks experience matters. This is Cole Kublik. I think it's going to be a fantastic offense. I think it's going to be a fascinating watch because I think that there will be micro areas of growth throughout the course of the season. I think the first one to watch would be the offensive line. I'm, I'm not necessarily sold on the first offensive line that you get will be the offensive line that starts the majority of the games because I think there are some younger guys that are going to have a chance to play their way in. And also I think, too, when, when you have maybe some continuity and chemistry issues, you just lean towards experience because that would get you out of more, trouble more times than maybe talent will. Isn't that interesting to hear Cole Kublik say right there what we spent uh, a good bit of time talking about at the top of the program, that as you're going through these issues, and let's make no mistake about it, Georgia is going to have some questions related to that offensive line. And as I've said on this show a few times, you know, if you're if you're in any way deficient on your offensive line because the Clemson defensive front is so good to start the year, then a, an unanswered question at left tackle could get you beat. I mean, that's, that's just a fact in that season opener there. But I love what Cole Kublik says. 
While you're figuring that out, lean on that experience that you do have. Fortunately for Georgia Long, it's offensive line. They do have you know some guys that have started a good number of games. Lean on those guys to work your way through it. Now, for what it's worth, Clemson's also dealing with a left tackle question itself right now, trying to figure that out to go along with four returning starters in the offensive line. But interesting to hear Cole Kublik say, hey, while you're figuring things out in the early going, which means week one against Clemson, the experience you do have could matter. One more from Cole here with uh, Mike Griffith from On the Beat uh, after having seen Georgia G-Day on the SEC Network. Uh, Cole really laying it out, the fact that he thinks this Georgia offense is going to be good, and he is unmistakable for what he believes this group's ultimate mission really is. And I think this certainly echoes a lot of what we said in the past. Take a listen to this. I think there's enough talent across the board in that receiver room to be able to get away with everything they need to be a successful offense. This group's going to be balanced, but I think the number one goal for them going into this year is create more explosive plays. Well, you look at some of the tight ends, you look at some of the running backs, some of the other wide receivers, there's going to be enough guys around to be able to help create those explosive plays. And what they're going to be able to do with alignment and mismatches physically, I think is going to help them be able to create the things that they want to create. I wouldn't be surprised if they go a little bit faster at times this year. And then plain and simple, you got a quarterback that can stretch the field. And, and that's the reality of it. Elsewhere in that same interview, Cole did talk about the fact that he thinks that George Pickens will eventually return for uh, Georgia this upcoming season. More likely than not, I believe is what Cole said. You can check out the full interview to see that. But in that particular clip, what I find to be interesting, and this also echoes some of the things that we said, is that even after the George Pickens injury, which obviously was a huge deal for Georgia near the beginning of spring practice, after G-Day, now that spring practice is concluded, you don't really hear much in the way of SEC network analyst or national sports writer or anything along those lines. You don't really hear much in the way of, well, I guess that does it for Georgia. I guess they're no longer championship contenders because George Pickens hurt his knee. Now, it's a serious injury, and obviously those of us who like Pickens want to see him back playing again. But in terms of ending UGA's championship chances, guys like Cole Kublik, who saw Georgia behind closed doors leading up to G-Day and obviously from the field there on Saturday – they're not really saying that, which I think ought to also impact the way that Georgia fans view this upcoming season, even in light of the Pickens entry. That is around the doghouse before I get our buddy uh, Terrence Edwards. And we also remind you about my friends at Event Buzz Media. You know, one of the things I'm always so proud of, all the small business owners that kind of are a part of what we do each and every day here on our program, Dog Nation Daily. And one of the things I love are small businesses that help other small businesses. In this case, that's what Event Buzz Media does. They specialize in high-impact video. It can boost your social media presence. And you know, for those people who want to get a big message out there, I think one of the things that we've learned around here is there's really no better way to do that than through the power of video. They've got a nationwide experience doing corporate events, training videos, stuff for YouTube, also even like short film production things like that uh whether it be music sports everything else they can help tell your story through a video and the great news is it's owned and operated event buzz media is by an avid dog nation uh reader dog nation uh, daily uh viewer and a multi-time golden shoe winner we're talking about a real dog nation type guy here it's our uh, buddy ben green you can call him up he'll talk some dogs with you but most importantly he'll tell you how that event buzz media and their video production skills can be put to use for you for whatever your product event service whatever it is they can do big things for you if you're watching on video you can see how to get in touch but i'll read it for everybody here it's eventbuzzmedia.com that's eventbuzzmedia.com or give them a call 423-667-0555 once again 423-667-0555 there is big news 
involving a former dog that we'll get to before we're done today but for now on everything that we saw saturday from g-day from a guy whose opinion obviously matters the former georgia wide receiving gray terrence edwards here on dog nation daily presented by meriwether and tharp from athens and across the sec or wherever the recruiting trail may lead here's a dognation.com insider i had the great pleasure of speaking to terrence edwards on saturday about g-day from our Position there as a part of the Dog Nation post-game show. So much fun to have been able to do that. But many of you have not heard a lot of Terrence's thoughts, so it's a great chance for us to do that right now. I guess, Terrence, let me sort of start big picture here, and then we'll kind of drill down on more of the specific details. You saw G-Day on Saturday. What did you think overall of the show that Georgia put on display there to close out spring practice? I think offensively, uh, I was just listening to you earlier, I think the Georgia offense now is definitely more than George Pickens a bust. I think the uh, nation had opportunity to see the uh, weapons that Kirby has assembled so far. Uh, Darnell Washington, I think, is going to be a star. Um, and, I, you know, I don't take this lightly, so I think he's a star in the making. And I think the receiving core is going to be uh, just fine. I think we have the talent to be an explosive offense, as I said, on Saturday, likes of Alabama last year and LSU the year before. Yeah, I think that, first of all, I think that's a very interesting comparison, but I think that very quietly, Georgia has done a lot to upgrade its receiver talent these last few years. And it's more than just Pickens, who was the five star. You know, bringing in Dominic Blaylock was a big deal. Blaylock, you know, when he comes back from injury, he's already proven himself to be a capable receiver. What Georgia did for the 2020 cycle with guys like Jermaine Burton and Justin Robinson and Marcus Roseby Jack saying, you know, that's a level of, you know, talent haul that you know, previous Kirby Smart signing classes probably didn't have the receiver position. And then lo and behold, 2021, you kind of think of that as a little bit of a more quiet year for Georgia at the receiver spot. But now uh, A.D. Mitchell looks like the kind of guy who's capable of playing for Georgia maybe right away there. I mean, I think that one of the untold stories over the course of the last recruiting cycles is pretty quietly Georgia has done a lot to upgrade its its wide receiver talent. So this this program, this unit in particular, can be more than just uh, George Pickens. Now, listen, I'm a huge fan of George. I hope I get a chance to see him play again in the red and black, and maybe I will. But you've obviously got to have more than that, and it certainly seems like on the basis of Saturday and some of what we saw last year when George also wasn't playing, that Georgia does have more than just George right now. Oh, oh exactly. But he's a – let's not forget, he is a – there's a reason we, we speak so highly of the yeah. kid. He's a ultra-talented kid. I mean, he, he makes – Georgia better. So not having him is a is a big loss, but I just think the way that Georgia has recruited with the talent that they have behind him with, with Justin and Jermaine and, and Don once he comes back. And let me go ahead and put this notion. I keep seeing that the they list A.D. Mitch at 6'4". I'm just going to tell you, he's not 6'4". I put him in more <laughs> range in the 6'2 range, but he, he's not 6'4". Uh, but he is a talented kid that I've been raving about. Since I watched his film, and I think a lot of the, the Georgia people didn't know much about him, so they were down on Georgia receiving crew this year in the 2020 class. But I think the two that we brought in are going to be very productive receivers uh, when they get the opportunity to be. Now, obviously, your opinion on Darnell Washington carries a lot of weight with me. But, Terrence, the way that I've been kind of saying it is when Darnell came in, he was obviously this – unique specimen right you know a big guy who ran that way and one of the things i've been honest with on the show is i almost wondered if he was too much of a project 
to be utilized by Georgia in the three or four years he's going to be here. I could have certainly seen him going on to the NFL and finding great success there, but could Georgia get him ready fast enough to really take advantage of him? I think the answer to that right now looks like a resounding yes. Terrence, I really expect uh, Darnell Washington to be a big part of Georgia's offensive plans this year. I think he's gone from being a project to now actually being a player. I think this is a guy that that Georgia should utilize this year because he creates so many different mismatches. And I know we've kind of gotten excited about guys like this before, and sometimes it doesn't come to fruition. In, in the case of Washington, knowing he's got an offensive coordinator who likes to throw to tight ends, he's got a quarterback who's capable of finding him. Frankly, Terrence, I just don't see how this doesn't work together to add to something good for Washington here this season. Oh, I think so. Uh, just watching his film early on, and even early on um, last season, I just thought he was big and he was a big lumberer. I didn't think he moved well enough. Uh, to be a really great tight end in the SEC, I thought he would be very good. But see him this at the end of the regular season, especially in the spring game when on a telecast they say Coach Kirby say that he weighs 280. He moves extremely well. Uh, I was like, man, he may be a tackle one day. No, he is a legitimate tight end at 6'8", 280 if he weighs that much, and he moves so well to be that big, and he carries that weight very well. So I'm extremely excited about this kid. I don't think we had a tight end that I've been extremely excited about that this tall since Leonard Pope. And yeah. if he could bring that, if he could bring that uh, level of talent and uh, playmaking ability that Leonard did, we got a heck of a player on our hands. Yeah, I think that the Leonard Pope comparison is actually a pretty interesting one because first of all, Pope played in the NFL for you know a, a long time, but that was also a guy that was so big when he first got to Georgia that I was almost more. I guess fixated on the size. I remember Mark Rick one time I asked him about it in a you know, press conference. He said, "Listen, I, I, th- I think that Leonard Pope's you know got a chance to be a pretty good playmaker there." And you know, sure enough, that's what kind of turned out to be true. And I think in the case of Washington, you're seeing some of the same kind of stuff in that you know we get obsessed with the fact that he's so big. But in the Missouri game last year, we saw him run past people. In the Cincinnati game, we saw him make a would-be tackler miss in space. This is not a guy who has you know any kind of shortage of you know footwork or 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 just the ability to kind of go out there and be an athlete this is more than just a big guy oh exactly and i just i'm in a i'm a proponent of he's so big we just got to get the ball in his hands and he will fall for 10 yards and get us the first time because he's that big and and guys especially in the secondary is not going to want to tackle a 200 and whatever pound 60 to 80 pound tight end who can move well in, in open space, not going to want to tackle that guy. So he's definitely going to be a weapon. And if we utilize him correctly, I think the Georgia offense would be that much better. So let me kind of, I guess, be fair and balanced here. If we're going to talk about some things that were good. There have also been some people on this show this week that have expressed some concerns about the state of the Georgia offensive line, not because it doesn't have potential, just because it's not settled right now. You know, Terrence, what would you say about that in terms of the fact that you seem to have an open question about who's going to start at left tackle? There seems to be an open question about which spot Jamari Salyer is going to occupy. Does he have to go back outside? Can he stay inside, which I think what the thought was, you know, to maybe begin the year here. You know, maybe Warren Erickson's emerged for now as the center. We'll see about that. But that's also, I guess, at least a little bit of an open question. What do you think about the state of the Georgia offensive line right now? I think we, we're very talented. I think we're, we're legitimately too deep at each position. That's a good thing. And uh, 
for Jamari, I think Jamari is like that Swiss Army knife on the offensive line. He has played all five positions on the offensive line at some point in his Georgia career. So where the weak link is or the weak position, I think we can move Jamari there, um, especially at left tackle. If we have to move him back to left tackle, we saw last year that he held his own. Um, I think Jamari's probably going to be a guard at the next level, so I would love to see him uh, play left guard this season and have one of those young studs uh, take over the left tackle position. But just to say it's an influx right now, I just think they're, they're trying to get the best five, move people around and see that co- that cohesiveness that the offense line has to have uh, to be one unit. I just think they're right now they're just moving everyone around, just trying to find the best five, whoever that five is. In the time we have left, I want to talk about a different subject, kind of off the radar a, a little bit, although I think it's about to be on the radar a whole lot more. And one of the reasons why I ask you about this, Terrence, is because you talk to so many young players each and every day. I'm curious of the opinions that are kind of out there. There's a story at DogNation.com this morning about UGA partnering with a company to help educate players in relationship to the new name image likeness laws rules whatever you want to call them i guess in some cases going to be both laws and rules that are about to take shape here where players have more of an opportunity to kind of cash in on the the value that they bring to the table as an elite athlete but terrence here's specifically the question that i have when i look at the scenario to me what i see is a lot of confusing lack of specifics about exactly what this new landscape is going to be like for players who play football some of the some of the future wide receivers that you kind of train there and admittedly some of this is probably related to the fact that we don't quite yet know what all these laws and rules are going to be but I, I do think there's a scenario out there we're kind of like dangling the keys of hey you can come to this school and you can cash in big and be making a whole bunch of money but there's never really a lot of specifics about exactly how that's I think supposed to happen or likely to happen. Terrence, what are the guys that you speak to every day? What, if anything, do they say about, you know, the ability to take advantage of their name, image, likeness, and kind of what they want to see from that world as college football seemingly in some form or fashion starts to make some changes? Uh, it's crazy that I just had this, uh, not going to name the, the type of receiver, but uh, he just talked about this recent about, opportunity to go into a certain school and being able to use this name and likeness uh, to make money. And uh, I just think back, I think it started It started back in my time when we could get a job in the summer, but you can only make a certain amount of money. We always didn't really understand why we get to be able to have a cap of yeah. how much money we can make and everyone else can go and make as much money as they can. Um, So there was a lot of uncertainty of of what it is. But my biggest issue is uh, you you have a guy, I just put myself in in this position. If I was coming out and played the way I played and I was able to make money off my name and like, it's the tax part of it. You're going to have to get taxed on this money. And for someone who's 21 or under, I don't really understand that portion of economics. So, they're definitely going to have to get educated on what they can and can't do and the tax related to it because you definitely want the IRS coming back to get you later on because you didn't uh, submit how much money you made uh, throughout your time at the university. 
Yeah, I think that's really interesting, Terrence. It's a interesting scenario that's going to take shape in the uh, time to come. And, you know, frankly, I, I'm curious to see how it goes. I, I do think there's more to be done about just explaining how all of this is actually going to look for the players that were going to be a part of it. The programs themselves are, are certainly eager to make it sound like you can come to this school and really cash in. But nobody ever actually says exactly how they're supposed to be able to cash in and do that. Uh, Terrence, for the folks who want to get involved and uh, be a part of some of the great training opportunities you provide, obviously, doing so much great work with next generation receivers pass catchers how can folks find what you're doing i'm gonna give out before we do that uh b i gotta get one thing i see a lot of people when he once he signed at georgia was making fun of him a lot but one player that i saw that's gonna help us at some point and i know i trained but lad mcconkley okay. had a good g day and i have to give lad some love that he had opportunity to catch punts uh kick return but he proved that he could be a legitimate receiver. May not ever be a star, but he will be a player that UJ will count on at some point in his career. And he's developed and got his body right to be a, a productive player, the special team offense. I think Lad is going to be a player. But if you could want to find me and, and do what Lad did, come to me once his senior year was over to help him get ready to go to Georgia. He's an underdog. Find me on all social media. That's Terrence Edwards Wide Receiver Academy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So since you brought him up, let me just ask you about Lad here real quick then. It seems like that's a kind of position that Georgia's been looking for someone to fill for a little while, that, you know, slot-type receiver who can really make you miss in space, make you miss in a phone book, and, you know, and that's sometimes not going to be a big guy, right? Because that, that's a guy that's going over the middle and using elusiveness. That's really the role that that uh, Georgia wants McConkie to occupy in the future, and like I said, they've had, you know, I remember you know, transfer receiver, you know, they've had guys before that they kind of hoped would be that guy, and I guess McConkie's the latest to sort of give that a shot, right? I think so. I think Lad could be all version of what's the receiver that was at Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro, that was at Clemson for. And I think Lad could be that version of he could take the pressure off the big name receivers and they just leave him uh, matched up against a slot receiver. And now uh, Hunter went from walk on to now what going into his third year in the NFL. I just think Lad is going to be very productive, not call him a superstar or anything like that, but he's going to be a guy that uh, once he get an opportunity, People are going to stop making fun of of Lad, and uh, I, for one, believe he's going to have be some type of role this season, especially next season. He will have a role on this offense. Hey, that's great to hear, Terrence. Thanks for sharing that. I really appreciate that. It's always fun to get a chance to talk to you. Appreciate you being here. No problem. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, listen, I really respect what Terrence Edwards has to say there uh, about any kind of receiver, Lad McConkie, anybody else. Uh, his opinion on that really matters, as we've joked about before. In the kind of velvet rope VIP club that is 1,000-yard receivers in the history of Georgia football, there's only one guy in there right now. It's kind of a lonely room uh, at the moment. Terrence Edwards is the only one, but hopefully in the uh, very future. Uh, in the very near future, somebody else is going to kind of get involved in some of that there as well. Let me also say this related to the name, image, likeness stuff. I, I know that I kind of expressed my opinion that I'm kind of skeptical of all this kind of stuff. I guess here's the, uh, the maybe the better way for me to say some of this kind of stuff. Like, you know, if a athlete's got 100,000 Instagram followers and wants to, you know, cash in on that and do some, you know, influencer posts, things like that, I mean, I really don't have a huge problem with that you know person making you know some money off of that I, I guess the the biggest issue i have is is the idea that's commonly projected through media that this must take place because the college sports system is so broken that's the part that i disagree with 
you know, when you really get out there in the world and speak to parents who are hoping their athletes get a chance to play Division One sports, football, baseball, basketball, across the board, you don't see a lot of people who view the system as broken. You, um, you see a lot of people who are hoping and begging and, and just praying that their son or daughter gets a chance to be a part of it. That, that's the, what the real world is. You know, the 3% of the world that's on Twitter is, you know, all, you know, talking about how bad the system is, but the 97% of the rest of the world that kind of lives, you know, outside the boundaries of social media, they sort of view it in a little bit different light. So I, I guess that's where some of my skepticism related to some of this kind of comes from. By the way, uh, speaking of uh, great things going on right now as we get ready to head towards Mother's Day, let me give a shout out to my friends at Kroger, what they're doing with Kroger Five Star Moms. This is going to be, an, I think, a really cool thing. Submissions are ongoing right now for folks getting a chance to get involved to to nominate one of the um, moms in your life, your mother, your wife, whatever else. Uh, nominate more than one if you want to. Great chance for you to do all of that. We all know so many five-star moms who not just you know watch Georgia football with us, but help get us to ball games and help uh, just really keep us on track. Many of us, uh, who knows where we'd be if it wasn't for the great influence of a terrific mom. And this is your way of saying thank you as we head towards Mother Day, Mother's Day. You go to dognation.com, find out more details on how to enter. But the email address to take advantage of here is info at dognation.com. Info at dognation.com. You can make a nomination there. We're going to honor five of these Kroger five-star moms as we head towards Mother's Day. We'll announce them right here on Dog Nation Daily. And the gift pack that you get a chance to win includes a $50 Kroger gift card, a $50 Bath and Body Works gift card, and a $50 Home Chef gift card. This is a pretty big deal in terms of what we're giving away for that. So please make sure you take advantage of that today. Dognation.com for more details. Info at dognation.com. Email address to winner. Hope to, to enter. Hopefully we get a chance to uh, honor you or someone that you know as a Kroger five-star mom coming up. All right, we have a very interesting change to a story that we've covered now for a couple of days. We have talked about Joe Milton, the former Michigan quarterback, supposedly on his way to Tennessee. I believe it was Pete the Mel from Yahoo Sports that initially had the report that Milton was leaving to come to Knoxville. Couldn't officially you know, uh, commit until later on, but was on his way to doing that. However, local media there in the state of Florida has caught up with Joe Milton, and he said that that is not a uh, thing that he's planning on doing right now. Now, he obviously, I guess, is still considering Tennessee, but it's Tennessee and Washington State. So Joe Milton, the former Michigan quarterback, for now at least, throwing some water on the idea that he's going to end up there at Tennessee maybe considering Wazoo instead. Now, who knows if this is just a player who doesn't want to have his announcement spoiled and he's going to make the Tennessee announcement on his own time. But for now, uh, Milton at least leaving the door open that his eventual transfer destination will be somewhere else other than uh, Tennessee. This was a hot topic yesterday when we did SEC Country Live. Of course, don't forget SEC Country Live every Wednesday, 3 p.m. on the SEC Country video channels, SEC Country on Facebook, SEC Country on Live uh, country live on youtube we talked about a lot of that uh yesterday another story that i think is kind of interesting that i wanted to get to here for a moment ross dellinger from sports illustrated had this the the football oversight committee has met and made some suggestions about more changes coming to football in terms of whether the practices are uh, are, are administrate administered it means kind of the end of the oklahoma drill the sort of you know small circles short contact heavy duty you know helmet on helmet pad on pad type stuff limiting that further reducing the number of padded practices leading into the start of the season all of this being done in an effort to make the game of football safer 
the football oversight committee kind of coming together on some of that kind of stuff. My guess is this probably doesn't impact schools in the SEC quite as much because most of these SEC schools are just at the forefront on like sports science and things along those lines. And they're technological expertise scientific expertise in relationship to some of this kind of stuff is part of what they use for their recruiting pitch this is the kind of thing that matters to parents that you know healthy and safe players as you would imagine is important to players so for the most part schools like georgia and most of the other resourced programs in the sec you got to think they're kind of already kind of on the uh, on the forefront of some of this as it is it, it may matter for other programs now there's also the flip side of this and here on the show, obviously, we have great respect for the need to keep players healthy and safe. Who wouldn't want to do that? But as Kirby Smart said the other day in relationship to spring practice, the thing that you've got to figure out in these modern times is how do you still become a good tackling team when you are tackling less in practice than you've ever been before? That's not Kirby Smart complaining about that rule. He said at the time that he understood why you're tackling less in practice. You want to keep players healthy and safe, but you also still want to be a good tackling team when you get into uh, the actual games and that's just one of the things that you know coaches now have to navigate and deal with in a way that you know they have not had to in the past becoming a good tackling team while tackling less in practice and having fewer of those padded practice to be able to do so it seems like there are more of those kinds of changes on the way to college football it'll be something for georgia to navigate but for the most part my guess is georgia's probably kind of already you know at the forefront of some of that kind of stuff anyway i was going to do an sec through story on some of the spring games coming up on saturday there's another crop of those in the sec let me just hold off on that for right now and instead go ahead and say that that is your sec through i want to talk about this instead go, uh, go to dognation.com today story of heinz ward the former georgia wide receiver who's going to take a job at florida atlantic now ward's been in the coaching ranks here for a little bit was with the new york jets i think he was trying to get a job maybe with the pittsburgh steelers uh but uh this is a guy that's you know wanted to coach for a while and really putting his money where his mouth is now going to a program like florida atlantic to try to you know get some of those coaching chops and maybe be who knows uh, you know a factor in, in in college jobs at some point in time in the future i mean it reminds me of it was back in 2016 i interviewed heinz ward and i went back and tried to find it today it's really funny i um went back and listened to like an old dog nation daily episode from like 2016 i mean it's first of all it's amazing how long this show's now been on the air we've been doing this for for a good number of years and this is back during the era in which there was no video i was literally doing the show from my closet in my bedroom at the home that i lived in at the time kind of really weird to kind of go back and uh, do some of that over again but i was trying to find the audio of the heinz ward interview that i'd done this is back in a time in which we weren't putting all this on video so I could not find the audio that I was looking for. I mean, even the story itself, I think, has now been kind of deleted off the Internet. But I did find a, uh, a story that I think linked to the quotes that I'd gotten from the interview when, when I had talked to Heinz Ward about this way back in 2016. So I believe this is my interview, although I can't be 100% sure. But on the subject of coaching at Georgia, what Ward said way back in 2016 was, I'm dead serious. I want to coach at Georgia, he said. I've expressed that to Kirby Smart. I haven't had any talk with him about what all goes into it, but I think I've put it out there. I'm serious. I want to give back to my alma mater. 
He goes on to say, sometimes I get upset when it comes to recruiting. I see, I see kids leave the state of Georgia during recruiting season to go play for another team. Now, if I walked in that room, meaning the living room of that player, there's no way that kind of uh, that, that kid's leaving the uh, state of Georgia. He went on to say, timing is everything. Maybe down the road, there'll be an opportunity for me to sometimes to do something I've always wanted to do to coach back at the University of Georgia. That was Heinz Ward. I believe that was my interview. I hope I'm not stealing somebody else's content, but I'm pretty sure back in 2016, uh, that was my interview that I did with him where he uh, where he said all of that. And at the time when Ward was saying these things, there was a lot of skepticism on the part of many people to say, well, he doesn't really know what goes all into coaching. You know, he's got to you know work his way up to coaching ranks. Well, guess what? That's exactly what he's doing. Spending some time with the Jets, now going to take a relatively low position at a relatively low Division One program like Florida Atlantic. And, you know, who knows how this ends up if a guy like Ward ever arrives, you know, at a place like Georgia. Frankly, it's very hard to get a coaching job at a place like Georgia, even if you were a great former player. Of course, you know, North Carolina is using one of its uh, alumnus and Dre Bly pretty well uh, as new defensive backs coach there. So you do see former players kind of having a role. Miami's done some of this kind of stuff really well. But there's a high standard for what it takes to be a, a position coach at a place like Georgia. Ward in the past has said, this is something that I want to be able to do. A lot of folks in the media would say, well, if you want to be able to do this, you better be willing to work your way up the coaching ranks. Well, over the course of the last couple of years, that seems to be exactly what Heinz Ward has been content to do. A very rich man who could just sit around and play golf all day if he wanted to is choosing to get involved at the lowest level of Division One sports, seemingly as a way of trying to work his way up the uh, ranks. Honestly, I think it's kind of a cool story for a guy who says, hey, this is a dream of mine. I've accomplished a lot in my life. This is the next thing I want to accomplish. And he's kind of setting himself out to do that. I think that's a uh, pretty good, uh, good thing. So shout out to Heinz Ward as he goes on a little bit of a journey here. I also think we can make a case for Heinz Ward to get more uh, Pro Football Hall of Fame consideration, but I guess that's a different conversation for a, a different day. Let's do this instead. Gator Hater Roll Call. We love wrapping up the show this way, and one of the ways we do that is by giving out our golden shoe. For those of you that show off your true Gator hating credentials, I'll give you an example of this today uh, from JT Daddy Daniels on uh, Twitter. Kind of a cool JT Daniels themed avatar there. So Dan Mullen put out a uh, tweet about. Uh, about football camps things like that uh jt uh, goes at him on twitter saying come on danny the kids want to learn how to throw footballs not shoes so anybody who referenced the shoe throw from marco wilson obviously going to go front of the line in terms of being considered for the golden shoe so jt daddy daniels will make you the golden shoe winner for today speaking of them those lousy stinking gators how about gator hater countdown 191 days from right now dogs get some revenge against florida we'll see you tomorrow dog nation daily presented by merriweather and tharp and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast cool down of course you can trust rs andrews for your air conditioning heating plumbing and electric needs i love the fact that the rs stands for rapid service i didn't really know that uh until not, not i guess it was month or so ago i found this out and so like i'm always saying this now in the read because i just wasn't aware of this the rs stands for rapid service it's sort of like Chuck E. Cheese, the E stands for entertainment. His full name is Charles Entertainment Cheese. This is sort of my version of that with R.S. Andrews. The R.S. stands for rapid service. Um, so there you go. <laughs> All of that front. So we'll take a few of your comments here. I actually got a really good message 
to the comment section at dognation.com. This is exactly why we do the podcast cool down because people think of things that I don't think of and I want to give other voices a chance to be heard. Duke Duke asks this. He says, this is a question for the podcast cool down. Obviously, quarterbacks and wide receivers can build chemistry during the summer with seven on seven type workouts. Even DBs can get valuable reps opposing them. But is there any way offensive linemen can build chemistry and continuity during the summer? I think this is a really great question. And admittedly, I don't necessarily know the answer to this. We were talking, I was talking to Connor Riley about this before we began the podcast cool down today. And I, I guess here's the consensus that we sort of came up with. First of all, I completely 100% agree with the premise of the question. I think that offensive line is really a chemistry position, uh, position group. There's, um, there's a debate, and this is going to be like super nerdy for like five seconds, so I apologize. But there's been kind of a debate in the analytics community over the years about whether or not you can measure individual offensive line performances or you need to measure offensive line as a group. And at one point in time, even the baseball analytics community was kind of maybe thinking, well, maybe we need to get away from measuring individual defenders and just go along with measuring defense as, as a whole because obviously you know, you're know you kind of working together and all of that. So there's been some kind of debate about, hey, what's the best way to measure offensive line play? Is it to measure the stats of the individual lineman, how he grades, for instance, or is it best to measure the offensive line performance overall? I personally, to the extent I even understand the debate, um, would probably sort of venture on the side of you know, it's more helpful as a Georgia football fan, for instance, know how the, the group together is playing more so than just the individual stuff. I think the individual stuff can be misleading because if you've got four horses around you, it's obviously easier for you to do your job and therefore your own performance grade out might be inflated. Anyway, the point here, though, is the premise is, I think, a very, very sound one, which is how do you then establish the chemistry that's needed to play well together? And I don't think it's as cut and dry as it is with quarterbacks and receivers getting used to each other's timing and defensive backs just getting used to and challenged by running step by step, step for step, you know, with those guys in kind of a seven on seven situation. That's a fairly easy for us to understand way in which that happens with the offensive line stuff. And maybe someone who's listening now will put a comment in our comment section for tomorrow and maybe we can, you know, come back to this then and somebody has a better idea. Here's what, though, we were able to kind of establish is that, you know, they're obviously going to do some voluntary drill work you know during the uh, time of the uh, summer together and you know that's one of those things where i think camaraderie can be established certainly the stuff that goes on there in the weight room it's one of the reasons why quarterbacks you know it's kind of a football cliche of all oh, the quarterback goes down there and he works out with his offensive lineman part of the reason why a quarterback would want to do that is because he wants to develop the bond with those guys they develop with each other by by working together so that's kind of a social chemistry i guess they're able to establish that way as far as the playing chemistry it is the for lack of a better phrase the dance those guys do with each other on the field as they're looking to move and block that kind of matters but that's one of those things that's maybe only established by actually doing that work in a game or the kind of scrimmage stuff that takes place on those summer Saturdays leading up to the start of the season. It's one of the reasons why, um, you know, as you think about the beginning of the year for Georgia, the experienced offensive lineman, as Cole Kubelik said on today's show, it's one of the reasons why those experienced offensive linemen may have extra value just because they have played together before. I think that's a really great question, and I'd love to have actually more people weigh in on that if they want to. Uh, over here on uh, Twitter here for a moment, Gorilla Grills 10 says, make sure you check out the uh, A&E 
Network's uh, biographies coming up on some of the uh, different wrestlers. They started this past Sunday. Andre the Giant won on Stone Cold. Uh, it's Rowdy Roddy Piper coming up, too. Yeah, I would say that A&E over the years has actually done some pretty good pro wrestling stuff, and I'm sure this is really good. I'm obviously very interested in anything like that. So, Gorilla Grills, thanks for sharing that. I look forward to seeing that. Uh, and I would certainly have plans to watch that. Uh, Georgia on tap weighs in. He kind of shared some uh, cool Lewis Grizzard stuff. You know, working here in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution building where we work, there's a kind of a cool um, display of some of Grizzard's artifacts that's kind of in a, you know, kind of a lobby area down here. And I always like to kind of look at that kind of stuff. It's just kind of a cool thing. You know, I did grow up a big fan of Lewis Grizzard's because my father and my grandfather had liked his writing and his work. And what an interesting character. And you know, it's just one of those things where sometimes in life you sort of feel like you, in some cases you're kind of born too late. That a lot of the cool stuff that happens sort of happened either when you're too young to fully appreciate it or before you're born. And certainly, you know, Louis Grizzard, you know, writing so many great things and funny things about UGA and just kind of life in the South in general. What a cool character he was all the way around, and I appreciate George on tap sharing that with us there here today. So it's one of the reasons why we love doing this because I love the interactive part of this. Comments in the comments section of DogNation.com. Your tweets to me at DogNationDaily, always kind of a convenient way to, to get together there. So I really appreciate you making this fun for me, and hopefully we're making good use of your time there as well. So thanks for being here on our R.S. Andrews podcast, Cool Down Today. Check out R.S. Andrews for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electric needs. And we'll see you back here tomorrow for Dog Nation Daily, presented by Meriwether and Tharp. We'll look forward to speaking to you then, everybody.